to be with you all. That time of worship uh, was so good for my soul. Anybody else? Yeah, it was good for my spirit. And uh, it was like medicine. Um, could we pray for this part of our, uh, of our gathering as we open up God's word? Um, the Lord says his word has the ability to do stuff that nobody else's words do. And uh, we believe that and we want to ask him to do what only he can. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the power of a community of people in which um, you are their God. You are the one who fills us up like Melinda um, encouraged us and we sang about. And uh, Lord, we just ask, um, first we declare we need you. We need your guidance we need your counsel. We need your wisdom. We need your correction. We need all that you have for us. And we believe that you will only give us the best stuff because you are good. So, Lord, we open your word together as your children and as your people. And we just ask, Lord, that you would um, speak truth into our lives. And... Um, like we sang, now we just declare it in prayer. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are the one who takes the words of God and makes them alive to us. Please breathe on us truth and grace and speak to us. And if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Okay, well, if you are just joining us for the first time this morning, welcome to church. Welcome to the bridge. We started a new series um, three weeks ago. This is week number three. And uh, we're just going through the book of Genesis. We're called, just calling it In the Beginning. Here's the reason why. As we were singing that last song, I got super just teary, <laughs> which God can do when you're worshiping him. And I was thinking about the brokenness of our world and um, people that I love. Thinking about like it was sort of like a, a highlight reel of my life so far, and I was just thinking about some of the carnage along the way. People, things that they've been through, hurts that they've suffered, and I was just thinking about the state of humanity. And um, there's just a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of confusion, and brokenness mixed with confusion leads to animosity and hate and polarity, and factionism, and all of these things that leads to division of people. But we live in a time and place where I believe people are wanting the kingdom of God in the world and in their lives. They just don't know that the kingdom has a king. Amen. We want unity. We want wholeness. We want well-being. We want the kids to be taken care of. We want families to be, like, we want these things. One um, theologian, his name is Dallas Willard, I believe it's Dallas Willard, but he, that he coined, it's kind of his term. We want the kingdom of God without the king. That's people who don't follow Jesus. The, on the other side, sometimes within the church, the exact opposite of, is true. We want the king, but we don't want the kingdom, meaning the the, the, the broken, the visibly different 
It's like we want Jesus, but sometimes we don't want all that comes with that. So we're in this place of confusion and division. And it's like, what is the best way forward? So now just put humanity with that question. What is the best way forward? Well, in certain places, it's voting this thing into action or that thing into action. But the, the heart behind it is people are trying to help. But the problem with the kingdom without the king is we can only do what we think is best. But if you're a follower of Jesus, when you let God's substitutionary death come into your life and take over, now we live not by, by faith and sight but, or by, by things that we can see, flesh and blood, but we live by faith in, in God. And so we are, following, we are following him. Basically what we're saying is, Lord, I'm giving up my way for your way. We go and we open up the book of Genesis because we need to be reminded that before the brokenness, before the division, before all the stuff that's going on that we're trying to figure out on our own, God had a plan. He had a purpose. He had a vision. And we need to see that there was a time when the world wasn't broken when people weren't at each, other, at each other's throat, where there was community with God and with others in a perfect state. So we're looking at the book of Genesis. This is week three. So far, we've talked about God's greatness, thinking about his creation. We've talked about God's goodness, thinking about his plan last week as we looked at the, the subsequent days or events of creation. And this week we're going to just look at his grace. His grace is, uh, one person says, God's greatness points to his power, whereas goodness speaks of his plan. And God's, God's grace gives us what we do not deserve or nor we can achieve on our own. Did we deserve a perfect world? No. Did we make it? No. But God's grace is like, yo, I swear, sometimes in my mind, God says, yo. <laughs> but he's saying, I have something for you that is perfect. It's so good. It's through the days of creation. And God saw it, and it was? And then God said, and now let us make man in our image. And God placed man in the garden he, it, was a, it was to show his grace. Here's something that you can't build. You can't borrow. You can, Asa, you can create out of existing materials, but look at what I have for you. I created this out of nothing, and the purpose was for us to flourish. So we've been through chapter one. Today, we're going to be in chapter two. With a, and I'll dip back into chapter one just for a few verses. Um. As we've been doing, usually we have someone come up and read the passage, but today there's like a few different ones, and I'm just going to go through the passages with the points, so I'll read it today, and we'll, we'll get our readers back up here in the next couple weeks. Title of our message this morning is God's Vision for Humanity. I threw you guys two titles on my notes, so we'll see if you got it right. You have a 50-50 chance. My first one was Life in the Garden. The other title I was thinking of is Life's a Garden, dig it. Um, but only half of you would have got that joke. 
So let's say, let's act more grown up, shall we? We'll say God's vision for humanity. Chapter two changes perspectives. Chapter one, life in the garden. You got it wrong. They're like, no, you got it wrong. You sent us your notes this morning. Um, chapter two changes perspective. Perspectives. We're looking at things from man's perspective now. Because chapter 2, we move, um, look at chapter 2, verse 4. It says, and this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So it's saying like, now we just talked about the days and events of creation, and it was all that was complete, and God rested on the seventh day. And then we get to verse 4. Now here's the account. So here's God's perfect world we talked about last week. Now, chapter 2, verse 4, through Revelation 22, verse, I don't know what the last, but there's, it's, it's 22 something, or is it 21 something? None of us know. It's in the book. You can turn to the end and see. Anyways, now through chapter 2, verse 4, all the way through the end, we see this. Now, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. After, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So like, so here it is. Now here's what happens. Okay? Now he goes back to day um, six uh, with the creation of Adam and Eve. But we want to point out that life in Eden, in the garden, after God had created thing, is a picture of perfection. It's a picture of perfect relationship. Perfect relationship to God, perfect relationship between people, and a perfect relationship to the world. Next week, we're going to see, dun, 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 like the fall. Like these things are going to be broken in some ways. It doesn't mean that they didn't exist, and it doesn't mean this is what is the, the mystery of God's people, is that when your life is made right with God, some of these things are restored. But the life in, life in Eden was a, a perfect relationship between God, people, and the world. There was a time when man and woman and God lived in unity with one another in a way that is different than now. Than now. So today we want to look at God's vision for humanity. I kind of have these three words. It's like, okay, here's what God's purpose was, and then we're going to lay out how that is. God's purpose for mankind, men and women, was to experience wholeness, fruitfulness, and to thrive. So let's look at what a perfect world and relationship to it and to God look like. I have three points this morning. The first one's this. The garden, more than anything, was a place of God's presence. So now in chapter 1... Starting in verse 26, let's, let's pick up and grab this little chunk out of chapter 1. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move... Creatures? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. I didn't put it in my notes, but I was just like, um, well, at the end, you'll see they were naked and unashamed. So they were in a garden, they were naked, and they were vegetarians. They ate fruit. Sounds like Bellingham. (laughs) It's like this is what people want Teddy Bear Cove to be. (laughs) Verse 30, "And, and to all of the beasts of the earth, and to the birds in the sky, and to all the creatures that move along the ground, Everything that has breath has the breath of life. I give green plant, every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Some things that I want, we would like to point out and just recognize from these scriptures. Even before the fall, there was trust and obedience to God. Adam and Eve trusted God. They trusted what God said was good. They trusted, we'll see, the tree of good, uh, knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, and God says, don't eat from it. We'll trust that, that we will see that they trusted that what God said is good. Is this good? Yeah, this is good. Is this not good? No, this is not good. Um, Fill the earth. Subdue it, God says. Take care of it flourish in it. There was an act of obedience. Even in a perfect world, there was um, trust in God and his word and what he says. And then there was obedience because when we love, we obey one another. We, we do, when we love God, he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. That's always been the case. Now the garden was formed for mankind to be with God and with each other. The point is, the garden was a place of God's presence. It said he created the garden and then placed mankind in it. Not to live apart from God, but to live with God, to learn from God. Fill the earth and where it says fill the earth and subdue it. So many comments are made about these these words and what they mean. It obviously means to procreate and make babies and fill it that way. But then the, the word subdue means to dominate or um, make it yours. It, that, that word is used throughout the scripture, but the, the, the roots of these words, they're actually traced back. And one commentator says, God is saying he placed mankind in the garden and he says, worship and obey. Fill the earth and subdue. It's an act of worship and obedience. See, remember, the Israelites received Genesis first. And when they received the law, they told Moses, you go meet with God. We'll stay here. They saw God's power. And there was a 
um, flashings of his glory. And there was a sense there like, Moses, you go. We'll stay here. And so Moses went up and he met with God. And when he came down, he shined, you know, he was like glowing and people were, cover it up. They were freaking out. But that's not the way it was meant to be, nor is that the way for the people of God now. See, God ends up establishing priests. And the priests are the people that would, Aaron was the first one. And they would go and meet with God on behalf of people, but that's not how God intended it. He placed people in Adam and Eve that were priests before him unto the Lord. And the scripture tells us if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus and the Holy Spirit has come into your life, you are no longer a foreign people, but you are a nation of kings and priests unto the Lord. The garden was God's, God and mankind's meeting place. Eventually, the Israelite people built the tabernacle, then the temple, and they appointed priests over them. But God said it was not that way from the beginning. Adam and Eve were God's representatives in this world, created in the image of God like we talked about last week, placed in to steward the things of God. So rad. The second one is the garden was a place of partnership. Sorry, I have something in my eye. Place of partnership. Look at chapter 2 and we'll pick it up in verse 5. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. And so no plant had sprung up. Let me pause for a second. People are like, wait, didn't God create the, the trees and stuff already? The word shrub here. Is, this is actually really cool. This is talking about cultivation. So things had grown, but now nothing that had been cultivated had grown. I'm fixing to um, make us love the farmers in our community even more. No shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. See, this stuff requires working of the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. This is what we're praying for for the next six or eight months in Bellingham. Lord, can it be like it was in the beginning when it didn't rain? And it just like was, came up from, there were like springs. Then, verse 7, the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Skip over to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the, knowledge, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. We'll break those verses down next week because... What does the devil do? Let me just give you right now his game plan. He wants to do a couple of things. His playbook is simple. It's just effective. He wants to take what God says and distort it. And then he wants to take what God is building and destroy it. Okay? God is working all things together for good. Unity. 
the ministry of reconciliation unto the Father, Jesus came to bridge a gap that we created. He wants to bring together. The devil wants to tear apart. So if the devil can get at the mix of the first two people, it's much easier for him than trying to get at the outskirts of all the people years later. So if he can get at the heart of a marriage, well, then his job is easy because the family's divided. But if he doesn't get at the heart of the marriage and there's a strong relationship built on the Lord, that doesn't mean that the devil's going to stop trying. He's just going to try different tactics. Come at your kids. Come at you in the workplace. That's what God wants to do. He wants to divide what God is bringing together, and he wants to destroy what God is building. So we'll, that's next week. And then verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good. So, so far it was good. God made this, said, let it be. He looked at it, gave it a grade. That gets an A. That is good. God is the one who, he is good. And so he declares what is good. Now he had, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of, excuse me, of the wild animals, all of the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. This is back to day five. Day five was busy, or day six was busy day. To see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. I will say real quick, this is why we spent two weeks talking about the purpose of Genesis 1. That God was more concerned with telling us why he created everything and what it was for more than how long and, all, and, and the rest of the stuff. Because when we were little kids, we were like, and then Adam named the animals. And then I used to be like, imagine how he came up with, you're an aardvark. Move along, little animal. And then the next one, and he's like, A-R, alphabetical order. You are an armadillo. That would have been before. Armadillo, aardvark. Or is it the species of the animal? Or is it him naming dominion over the animals? But there's a point to it. Not that he named all the little animals. The point to it is this. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. He saw these, these creatures that God created, and they were good, and they would come across, and he would be like, There's, they, they have a partner. They have a a pair. They're like, they fit. They, they, hmm. And then another one. That's odd. God wanted Adam to see that there was, where, wait. He didn't know. He had a perfect relationship with God. God wasn't lonely, so he created mankind. It's all so God can show us the, the greatness of his love and experience relationship with him. Adam wasn't lonely or deficient with just him and God. So you can live in a place in a single 
relationship, never marrying, and you're not lacking. This verse is not to say, hey, it's okay single, but it's better for you if you get married. That's not what's being said here because then people always live in a sense that they're never enough unless they have this thing, and that's not what God is saying. He says, we are good, but he wanted Adam to see in his own thing that there was no suitable. Mankind was not complete. Humankind was not complete apart from man, from male and female, man and woman. So verse 21, so God called, so verse 21, so the Lord God caused a man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with the flesh. Enter your favorite joke about, never mind. <laughs> like God said, hey, Adam, I got someone for you. She's going to be perfect in every way. She will complete you like no other, but it's going to cost an arm and a leg. And Adam's all, what can I get for a rib? That's a, that's a bad joke. He closed up one of the man's ribs. God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep while he was sleeping. He took one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the place with flesh. Verse 22. Then God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. Guys, if you're looking for someone to come into your life, listen to these verses. Then God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. It's a beautiful poem. She shall be called woman, for she is taken out of man. The garden was a place of partnership partnership with God, God says, I want to partner with you. Fill the earth and subdue it. You are made in the image of God. You can create. You can, we, what did I put? Creation is God's responsibility. Cultivation is mankind's responsibility. Like we have a part to play. He's like, I did this. Now you take care of it. Before the fall, mankind's natural intention was to act according to God's will. Before we had to be like, hey, God, I'm thinking about this. Is this your will? We acted in a natural way where we, we fulfilled God's will with our actions. It was, we weren't trying to deny the, the, the tendencies of the flesh to do what God wants to do. We naturally did. So it was God's delight to entrust the world into their hands. So we made them partners. This is still what we are, by the way. We are partners with God in his care of the world. He says to you, when, you, when he says, if you want to follow me, take my yoke and learn upon you. He's saying, you are my disciples. You are coming in. You are my apprentice. Now I send you in my name and where I am, the Holy Spirit will be with you. That's an authority of, of partnership. Disciple is, depart, uh, is a partnership of wills. God's will comes into your life and gives direction, and we naturally want to do what God does, what he wants us to do. So creation is God's responsibility. Cultivation is mankind's responsibility. Over the land, we farm it. And before the fall, there was a great blessing. Uh, 
this year's corn crop, Steph and the boys have a, a corn stand that they, they sell stuff and the corn was early this year. Everything was early this year because of the, the warmth, like that early spike of heat way back in May. Um, but before the fall, the harvest was plentiful, plentiful. Adam and Eve had the greenest of thumbs. They just like planted it and it grew. And they were like, dang, that's awesome. And now it's because of the fall, there's a toil and there's a hardship that comes with it. But they, they had the greenest of thumbs. There was a blessing. There was a blessing over the land. There was a blessing and a responsibility over the care of the animals. And there was a blessing and a responsibility over the care of each other. The other partnership that there was perfect in the garden was the partnership with each other. There was a perfect human relationship. First, God had work for Adam to do. Was there, was it, will there be work in heaven? Yeah, there was work in the garden. It won't be toil. It won't be by the sweat of your brow. It will be actually full. It will be what we want it to be. The recognition you want, the outcome that you want, it will be full. It will be perfected. Second, God wanted to see that God wanted Adam to see something. All of these animals had a mate, but he didn't. There was no, and the words say, suitable partner for him. There are problems. Can I just address the problems around the world? Word helper. We use the word helper different than this. Especially if you're a parent. Mommy's little helper. Daddy's little helper. We think helper is like a subordinate person that comes under that does what we want. It's an assistant to the regional manager, so to speak. But the word helper in the Bible doesn't mean that. that. It means the one who helps you to become who God wants you to be. The other half. A partner. In this case, the helper... In that case, what we're talking about, the helper is a less than, but it's not in this case. You could say it's the completer. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make someone suitable to him. And it says back in chapter 1, that's why we read that, and then he, in his image, he created him. In his image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So mankind, God created mankind in his image. This is where we get mankind, or the word humankind, if you like. Male and female. What do we have here with male and female? We have equal. We have opposite. Opposite doesn't mean less than equal. It means co-equal, but opposite. So are men and women different? Yeah, we were designed to be different from the very beginning. But we were designed to be equal in standing before God. Complementary gift sets, complementary abilities. Here's the problem with complementary. When there's pride involved and you don't think you need help, complementary becomes, um, what's the word where someone's always telling you and you think they're being mean to you? Critical. critical. God bless you. <laughs> complementary can turn into critical. But that's not how it was. We were complete. 
to have say together. Complementary gift set, complementary abilities, complementary roles. Now, the reason we spent weeks talking about God's good and perfect world is because when we get into the fall and we talk about stuff now in our day and age about uh, men and women, roles within a household, certain gift sets and things within society, we're looking at it through the framework of where we are and trying to make sense of the beginning. But if we look at where we are from the starting point that God created it, he ordained it, it was good, it was beautiful, it was for us to flourish and have life and rule and all of these things. And then we pour everything through that and then let it filter out to where we are now. We don't have to push back and be mad that if you're wherever your station is in life, because God, because if you believe verse one, you can make sense of everything that we're at. Verse one, for in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we talk about, and his creation was good. His creation required man and woman. There was something that in their own, they needed each other for completion. It's uh, one, com one old pastor, Matthew Henry, said, women was not taken from man's head so that she may rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. We have so many issues around things about sex and gender and identity, but the root of the issue is that we don't know what God thinks about us. We're going to see next week that the very first thing that was broken by sin. Sorry, it's heavy. The very first thing that was broken by sin wasn't man's relation to God. It was man and woman's relationship to each other. They were naked and ashamed. So there was, that was the first thing. It's sexuality has been broken since chapter 3 of the Bible. It's not new. It's just packaged different. And if we try to come against those things with our understanding of them, we're never going to be the, sal the salve. Salve? Like the thing you rub on to make it better. We're never going to be the representatives that God had because they're asking different questions. They're asking, who am I? Who loves me? Where do I find value? And God said, in me. So here we have mankind to take care, partner with God and his creation, and partner together. This is where we get the first marriage. It says God brought um, Eve to Adam. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he, when he quotes Genesis 2.24. This is in our, in our verses here. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. There's a partnership, which brings us to our last point for the morning.
The garden was a place of pleasure. Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. Verse 25. In the garden, nobody was bummed that they had separate roles in a different gift set. No one was trying to be the other person or take over and do what the other person was doing. There was a completeness. There was an openness. And yeah, they were but naked before God and each other. There was no shame. There was nothing to hide. It was just, this is who we are. This is what God says. This is good. One flesh that we talked about leaves his father and mother and they become one flesh. This speaks of a sexual relationship. This speaks of, of a physical oneness. The word naked, erem, it means a couple of things. It means nude. So they were nude. And I don't know what they look like, but you know what matters? Because we're, like, we're so fixated on looks. Whatever they look like, they look good to each other. Adam got all poetic. He didn't even know he could sing or, or rhyme. He's like, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she is part of man. She is the completer. She's like, you complete me. Way before Jerry Maguire, Adam said it. It means nude, but it also means bare, without cover. It also has the meaning of the opposite of crafty, um, I forget the other word, but it's the opposite of crafty. There was nothing to hide. That's just how it was. That was the garden where God could enjoy and man could enjoy relationship with people, God's creation, and the creator himself. And there was nothing to, to hide. It was just beautiful. That's just how it was. They were naked before God. Here's what I want to end with. They were naked before God first and each other second. I would say since that, we've gotten it backwards. Adam and Eve, they were naked before God first and each other second. And they were in the place where they were meant to be. I would say since then, we typically get it wrong as mankind. We think the place of completeness and unashamedness is to be naked before a person first and God second. That's why the world says, just be whatever you want. If you cast off restraint long enough, you'll find happiness. Is that true? No, it's not true. It just creates more and more division from, the God, from God, division from each other. That's what the, the enemy of your soul wants to do. But in this place, there was nothing to hide. If you, I want to look at a couple of verses as we close. I love this verse in Psalm 1611. David writing, Psalm 16. Sure, it's your, I want to say homework, so you don't give homework. This is your joy and privilege to look at Psalm 16 this week. It's short. It's like uh, 11 verses. It's a psalm that is worth writing down and hanging up over your kitchen sink. It's a psalm worth putting in the um, place in your car where you see it. 
or just putting a bookmark in your Bible, but it's David writing about these things. And when he gets to the end, David says this, you make known to me the path of life in your presence with God. There is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Hebrews 4 says this, chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, bless you. For the word of God is alive and active. When I was thinking about naked, I was thinking about this verse came to mind. Because it says, for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. What do we say around here? The word of God is a, do you guys remember this? It's a samurai sword with no handle. All blade. Meaning it's not a weapon that we use against people. It's got to cut you first. You hold the, the sword by the blade because that's the word of God. And it cuts. And it says, for the word of God, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's like as you read the Bible, it reads you. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from its sight. Everything is naked and bare before him to whom we must give account. There's this sense of you can hide it, but if you want to be bare before the Lord, if you kind of want to just be like, here I am, we do that in, through the word of God. And as we're reading, it's laying out our heart. God, I just want to be open before you. And the word of God, that's why the devil wants to take the Bible, like the word of God away from us or distort the word of God. Because it's God who in his mercy and in his love speaks to us to be like, well, like he will say to Adam next week, like, where are you? Where are you at? Here I am, where are you? But there is pleasure and there is purpose and there is wholeness and there is Fullness of joy when you don't have to hide who you are before God. You just say, here I am. That's what repentance is. Repentance is just saying, here I am. It's just me. It's not much. A lot of brokenness. But if you'll take this, and do what you promise you'll do with the trade-in value of something dead and broken, and you'll breathe life and redeem. And if, if Jesus' death that I heard about is to bring people into right relationship with God, and if there's room for me in there, then I give you, it's just, here I am. That's what repentance is. That's what forgiveness is all about. And then it's learning to walk in a new nature. It's somehow on this side of sin and death, learning that you are placed back into the garden where God is with you. God has purposes for you. You may not walk step in step with him. It's a walk of faith. And certain things are only halfway realizing God will bring it all the way to completion, but we walk as if it is sure. And God is sure. And we don't have to hide from him. And there's value in the person next to you. And there's value in you. That is the life of faith that we live and that we trade in our way for God's way. It's saying, I don't understand all of this stuff, but I believe God and what he says in his word. And I just want to talk to someone this morning that um, your life is messed up. 
If your life is messed up, raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Oh, everyone's like, all right. Yeah, we're like more messed up than we care to let people in on. Uh, even if you look really good. Here's the unspokens in world, and here's the unspokens. No matter what someone looks like on the outside, they have some messed up stuff on the inside. I want to speak a verse to you that God spoke to me years ago. You've probably heard it before, but I believe it. He didn't speak it to me first. He spoke it to this same nation of Israel when they were really messed up and broken. And he gave them this. And I've taken this for me, and I've done what God tells me to do. And he says, write this on your heart. It's like a tattoo pen on your heart. And, and remember it. And tie it around your neck. And write it on the doorpost of your house. And speak this over your children and anyone else. So I want to pass it on. If you're broken this morning, and you're wondering if God's way is true, even with so, so much of the stuff and hurt and pain and stuff that's happened, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13 says this. God speaking. So I'm not God. I'm just standing on stage sharing his word. But this is what God says to you. God says, I know you. I know the plans I have for you. So pause. What kind of plans do you, you look at your life? What kind of plans do you think God has for you? I know what a lot of people think because I invite them to church and they go, JJ, I can't come to that church. If I step in that building, the place will burn down. People, and I'm like, actually, it won't because I go every week and the building is still standing. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and give you a future. Check this out. If you believe that, then you will call upon me. You will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek for me with your whole heart. When Jesus isn't a side helping of something, but when Jesus is what you are seeking, he says you will find me. Do you believe that? Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is naked and bare. Oh, excuse me. I'm mixing, my, I'm mixing my verses here. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the far places where you have been banished, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from the place where you have been in exile. Let's close this morning in prayer. Let's sing this song as a response to God. Let me just close us in prayer. Lord, we believe. I want to ask, if you believe that God created this world and he created it to be good, if God created human beings, he created us equal and opposite, he created men and women, he created us to be his partners, in this earth and to find pleasure in him and each other and you also recognize the brokenness of our situation i just want to ask that you would join me in just declaring um, god we believe that 
you created all things with purpose. You spoke over your creation that it is good. And um, even in our circumstances, when we see things that are not good and broken, we still declare, God, you are good. It is your plans and purposes that will prevail. We pray that you would lead us, bring healing to our hearts. And if there is anyone here this morning that is just, you're doing it on your own, and if you have yet to be like, look at things through God's perspective, I just want to pray that God would pour out a spirit upon you and that you would know that God isn't here to condemn you or turn you away, but he just wants you to take a step toward him. And then if you take a step toward him and you search for him with your whole heart, he says he promises um, you'll find him. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you give us a, a picture of the garden, give us a picture of what eternal relationship looks like, and you give us something to know that your creation is good and we fit in it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.